and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are looking at the theme of ability or disability in The Hunger Games and Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So to start us out, we have a quote, and this quote comes from the first book when Katniss is in the games. She has just recently sabotaged the food of the careers via the landmines. Gradually, subtly, the ringing in my right ear diminishes until it's gone entirely. I find myself pawing at my left ear periodically, trying to clean away whatever deadens its ability to collect sounds. If there's improvement, it's undetectable. I can't adjust to deafness in the ear. It makes me feel off-balanced and defenseless to my left. Blind, even. My head keeps turning to the injured side, as my right ear tries to compensate for the wall of nothingness where yesterday there was a constant flow of information. The more time that passes, the less hopeful I am that this is an injury that will heal. Yes, which you could imagine would be really affecting even if you're not Katniss and you're not mm -hmm. in the games, but being her... She is a hunter, and that is a very useful mm -hmm. part of, of being able to hunt well. And she's in the games when this happens. The thought of the careers will be hunting for you, and you're not used to this. You didn't grow up with this. You haven't had years or months to adjust to it. So, yeah, I, I can imagine that would be really terrifying and discouraging in where maybe you thought you had more hopes of winning and and then this happens yeah absolutely she gets hurt quite a bit while she's in the games of course but i think that this is the most serious injury she suffers from because it's something that does make things more difficult or she loses a part of her sense that she relied on so much and she has burn cream. That can't help. You know, there, mm -hmm. there's nothing that can be sent in from Hamish that can help her. Exactly. Which, yeah, I, I imagine that would make you feel even more vulnerable than, than you did to begin with. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good because it makes me start thinking about ability and how oftentimes disabilities come as a result of trauma or of things that happen in life or, or disease or, or other kinds of elements, but they are not always the idea of something that you're born with. They can be that as well, mm -hmm. but the loss of ability, I think, is its own distinct process that I think yeah. is, is interesting to see through Katniss's experiences. Absolutely. Well, why don't we get into our analysis? What character did you bring to talk about? I thought we had to talk about Katniss. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> because I, I think it's interesting because she has both abilities that give her advantages and through what happens in the books, she has more trauma that happens to her mm -hmm. progressively and that reduces some of her abilities. She starts with certain things that are definitely advantageous in the games. Not only is she able-bodied, but she is good at hunting and setting snares and identifying edible plants and swimming. Those things definitely advantage her in the 74th and 75th Hunger Games. Well, and she's also young, um, which mm -hmm. in the 75th Hunger Games definitely is an advantage. 
but also those things advantage her in the seam much more so than most of her seam counterparts would have advantages uh, based off of their abilities. Yeah. Though she is quite small in stature, uh, which does impact ability when it comes to like close range combat. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of it maybe is genetic, but another part I would not be surprised if because like she was emaciated before she figured out, yes, I can try to start hunting and then they finally were able to not starve to death. So at age 11, I I would assume that that would have repercussions um, in terms of growth. I think she's such a good character though because she changes over the course of the books as she's further traumatized and I think those changes are definitely in her mind and also her body but I think she still stays very her and I think sometimes characters in different series there's some big shift or Mm. some like they're or they're very divorced from who they were at the beginning and in certain ways things have changed drastically of course and some of her motivations are completely different because her motivations from the beginning were just like to help her family survive to take care of her little sister and by the end prim is gone her mom isn't even going to come back and i think she does fall very much into a depression that's not only based on those things like definitely those things but also based off of everything she's been through absolutely not only has she killed people she's seen people kill people she has had some of her friends die that she feels responsible for and she's been used as a pawn she was a victor and hoped that things wouldn't be as bad and then she had to go back to a site of trauma back in the games sure it was a different setting but it's still the games and they still have these things that i imagine could be very um triggering or re-traumatizing even something as simple as hearing the capital anthem or, Mm. or whatever at night and so she's physically changed during her time because she's scarred from combat from fire Mm -hmm. from not only fire in in her first hunger games but in the bombing at the end where she has to get skin grafts and is her body is completely scarred she does lose earring hearing in that ear it is fixed Mm -hmm. but i could imagine it wouldn't be exactly the same in certain ways or she could potentially still have pain and then mentally, you know, she, she has nightmares that she's just plagued by for probably the rest of her life and other PTSD symptoms and like depression I was talking about. She has some suicide attempts. And I think at, at the end of the story, she it shows that she's never really going to be okay. Yeah. And... That's what what I really like. I know some people are like, oh, well, she should have died in the books, you know, given her life to the cause or whatever. But, like, I think the books are about, like, the aftermath of these things. They're about the effects. Yeah. Yeah, really compared to so many other characters that you see dealing with war, which is super common, whether it's TV, movies, comic books, novels, like... It's just, it's such a common thing, but I think with Katniss, it's done very well where 
she loses certain abilities or she becomes disabled in certain ways or has more mental illness or, or difficulties, more struggles, but she still, in a lot of ways, stays her and it, yeah, it's not, I don't know. Sometimes stories just do these things so badly and it, it always frustrates me, but like, yeah, there, there are consequences, not only for what she's done, but what's been done to her that she lives with. And most of the people that she gets along with, that she can see as family in the end, are all people who have been through some similar things. And they can support each other in that, and they can understand in a way that other people don't understand. And... I think that's why you see her have such a strong relationship with Peta and such a strong relationship with Hamish by the end. I mean, and, and Finnick for a time, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the things that I appreciate about the book being in present tense and first person mm -hmm. is that we really get to experience what Katniss is experiencing. You know, in the quote that we shared, we experience her losing some of her senses, but when she experiences the trauma that uh, and, and PTSD symptoms, when she is affected by all of the things that were done to her and the things that she did, those are things that we experience in a really, really profound way. Mm -hmm. And I think that the choice, which is not a, a super common choice, but the choice to have it be present tense, really makes that even more visceral. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think it's interesting that she doesn't want to engage in therapy because I think that, I mean, I think she should <laughs> engage, mm -hmm. but it makes sense. It's, it's not about her being like, oh, I might have to be tough or something like that. It's like people keep telling you you're safe. How could someone who's been through what she's been through feel safe and then you just feel like there's such a disconnect? Like, how can you explain to someone what you've been through if you've been through what she has? And so I think that that, that does show another part of it of how difficult it could potentially be to get help or support to try to help you through some of the symptoms when what you've been through is so horrific. Absolutely. Um, and... She's forced into therapy. Mm -hmm. And so there is no trust there. It's something that is not something that she feels, like you said, safe in, that she can trust this person and they have her interests at heart. Particularly because she, on her own, is not a very trusting person. <laughs> yes. Which is only exacerbated by the fact that she has had such awful experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thought we had to talk about her. Absolutely. You covered a number of things I was planning on discussing today. Oh, whoops. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just continue talking about it. My plot does it. touch on one thing that you mentioned, which is nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, and because I think that nutrition is an interesting way of thinking about ability, both in the individual and the societal sense. Mm -hmm. What we eat is very much linked to our physical and mental health, particularly as you are growing up and as you're a child, as you're mentioning. And so by the time they're in the games, both Katniss and Peeta actually probably do have better nutrition than most people from District 12, certainly those in the scene. Doesn't mean that they have good enough nutrition, but 
one of the reasons I imagine that the careers are able to be as successful as they have been Mm -hmm. is because they also have had good nutrition as they've also trained their whole lives and things like that. And District 12, as one of the poorest districts, is going to be one of the least likely to provide that for the kids who ultimately become tributes. So Katniss and Peta, in addition to the other advantages that they have, and frankly the luck that they have that allow them to win the games, they also have that as an aspect as well. But we also see Katniss talk about how she feels herself growing stronger as she eats food in the capital. Mm-hmm. She sees herself bulking up and getting more muscle and getting more meat on her and getting, yeah, just, just physically stronger and healthier in a way that she never really experienced before, even as someone who did have the protein that she had and, and other elements in her diet that many people in District 12 probably didn't. Which is also so striking when in the games she's like, yeah, basically anything that I put on in the capital is gone mm-hmm. and her ribs are starting to show again and that really shows even though she can hunt, hunting still takes a lot of energy. Yeah. And climbing up on a tree to sleep every day and, you know, all of these things, having to walk to fetch water, it's just barely getting by is is what she can do. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that already is, is an interesting component because, you know, it, it ties into ability in these interesting ways. But when you look at the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, one of, for me, the most compelling discussions of how the Hunger Games came to be as they exist by the 74th Games was the change in the nutrition of the tributes. Mm-hmm. Because up until the 10th Hunger Games, they weren't fed anything. They were just caged and forgotten about until the games actually started. And Snow, though he starts wanting to feed his tribute in part for selfish reasons. Primarily for selfish yeah. reasons. <laughs> he helps to make that a part of the games in also selfish reasons, where he realizes that it can be more entertaining. It can be more competitive for the tributes to not be starving before they go into the game. Sure, let them mm-hmm. starve on camera. That makes them have be under more pressure and makes it so that they're more likely to do risky behaviors. Or there's more sympathy. Oh, we can donate and send them an apple or whatever it would be. Totally. But by giving them that food beforehand, before the games begin, it allows them, one, a veneer of respectability. Look at how great we're treating these tributes. Look how lucky these tributes are by the Mm -hmm. time the 74th games. But two, it does make it so that they are able to become stronger and less likely to die of just starvation or from being too cold or or other Mm -hmm. kinds of less entertaining ways of dying. They can put on a better show when they're not starved. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I thought, I thought that that was an element in The Belt of Songbirds and Snakes that I wasn't really expecting, mm-hmm. but I found very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they're called the Hunger Games. Totally, yeah. It comes from, we were starved, and now this is your punishment. Yeah. Of course, I'm guessing that war broke out because they were starved beforehand, too. Oh, absolutely. But yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. 
So yeah, I think nutrition's a, a good way of thinking about ability, not only because it's tied into Katniss's experiences in the games and what we see and how that came about, but because it connects to aspects of ability in our society in ways that are often overlooked. You know, nutrition is systemic. It is not about personal choice as much as people try to say it is. Certainly there's an element there, but when there are also food deserts, poverty, other kinds of systemic issues that make it so that diabetes or obesity are more prevalent in lower income areas, mm -hmm. in areas that don't have a Whole Foods and a farmer's market and parks. Or I saw recently about a community of indigenous people where the prices at the grocery store that is there were just astronomical. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was really despicable. Yeah, so maybe it's there, but you can't afford to access it. Exactly. And then it also might not be there at all. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're working two jobs, you only have enough time to go to McDonald's or to pick up a bucket of chicken and you don't have the time to make a healthier meal. So yeah, I think that those things are, are systemic in important ways that when we look at the Hunger Games, those are kind of reflected in these more intense ways through the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm super disadvantaged in this way, but something that I notice, traveling is very difficult for mm -hmm. me because of things that I'm allergic to. And so there can be times where it's like, there's nothing I can eat here. And if you lived in a place like that, oh, well, you just would be in pain yeah. more every day. Exactly. Yeah. Well, should we get into our compelling questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, what did you have for me? So I'm wondering what abilities or disabilities, like, there's a lot in the books, definitely. So what kind of stands out to you for affecting outcomes for individuals within the games? Well, that's interesting because my, my question is actually quite similar. Oh. I was wondering how you think... Katniss and the other victors' experiences in previous Hunger Games affect their ability to participate in the Quartic Well. Okay, okay, interesting. So, so maybe we can talk about them together, but look at those distinctions. Because for your question, the first thing that comes to mind is the Jabber Jays having the voices of Prim and Annie, mm -hmm. and how that basically takes out Katniss and Finnick for an hour while they're in that zone. Because even though they're not being physically assaulted, they don't have a bunch of monkeys coming after them the same way that they, they would in another zone, they're still being so affected that they are just really, really negatively affected by that mm -hmm. in, in ways that can be disabling. So yeah, I guess, do you have any other examples from the 74th games? I, I still remember, even though it was just a line here and then like five chapters later a line there it was just so striking to me when they were talking about we don't even know his name the boy with the limp or the crippled foot mm -hmm. from district 10 and you just you don't know anything else after the game starts and then he's one of the last people to die before rue i think so he lasts a really long time, and we just, we have no idea about 
where he was, what he was doing, what his journey in the games were. Yeah. Um, but it just, it always stood out to me with just so few lines, how striking it was to think about the advantages or disadvantages that people can have just going into the games when something has to do with combat. Yeah. And PETA, the injuries he sustains in oh, the games. Oh, yeah. I mean, he almost dies from blood poisoning. Mm-hmm. And he would have. If not for smooching. <laughs> if not for that. If not for them also very quickly repairing his leg at the end. Yes. But even after that, that affected him in the 75th Hunger Games. You know, he has increased noise and decreased speed. Yeah. And that makes you more vulnerable and an easier target. And... I imagine probably lingering pain as well. And I know that he didn't know how to swim, but I don't have any idea how that could maybe affect things. I, I honestly don't know. Interesting, yeah. Um, but when they're running away from the poison fog, he trips, he falls, he's stumbling because it is not as easy to, to move around as, as it would have been the year before. Yeah. I was also thinking about Lucy Gray and how charming she was mm -hmm. and how much of an advantage that was. But on the flip side, I could imagine someone like Reaper being potentially a little more off-putting in terms of personality and people not really understanding him because even as a, a, a reader, I, I'm not 100% sure always what was going on. He's, he's a very compelling character to me, but I could imagine you just wouldn't get as many sponsors or as much help in the games. Yeah, you, you might not even get as much help from your mentor if they just didn't like you or thought you were quote-unquote weird or, you know, whatever people just are judgmental or, you know, want to distance themselves. Mm -hmm. I could imagine that that would affect things. Yeah, I also think about how Jessup had rabies. Yeah, that he got in the cages. Mm -hmm. And that obviously is a very intense disease, making him afraid of water and, and things like that. Having something like that going in is going to affect your success in the games. It means that you are having to play, I put in quotation marks, uh, <laughs> yes. in a very, very different way than anyone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the other one that I was thinking of for the 75th is withdrawals. Mm -hmm. Because so many people who were victors previously have gotten addicted to substances. Yeah. And going through those withdrawals, I mean, that's why they made Hamish stop all alcohol consumption well before they went into the games. But the, the two tributes from District 6, it seemed like that that was not the case for them. And also defined very much by their addiction mm -hmm. without given names or anything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like psychologically how much different you would be at the first games versus the second and for some of them age yeah like mags she can't go running quickly down these hills with vines from poisonous fog and the fact that it seems like possibly she had maybe had a, had a stroke or something in the past and, and didn't communicate verbally, 
that could potentially make a big difference. Thankfully yeah. for her, she had a close relationship with Finnick for so long that he was able to to help her. But otherwise, that could be very affecting as well. Yeah. What else were you thinking? Yeah, I was thinking just about how every victor who is now a tribute again for the 75th games is coming in with trauma. Mm-hmm. That is going to, yeah, really affect their capabilities and the way that they experience this second time because it is re-traumatizing for many of the reasons that you you mentioned before and it, it just it's made me think a lot about you know people will often say things like hardships make you stronger yeah <laughs> i just i can't with that exact sentiment i just can't and Collins, doesn't kill you make you stronger precisely is that what it does <laughs> i think collins does a good job of not having that be the case here they are not stronger because they participated in the games before maybe mm-hmm. they are more knowledgeable or they have skills mm-hmm. that they learned in that in the first time that they went through it that they can utilize but that doesn't mean that they are going to be more likely to be successful because they're competing in again they're because... not better equipped they're going to be less equipped exactly oh and add friends let's throw friends in there with you not to mention that so yeah, I'm just glad that they didn't do that idea of these people are stronger because they went through the Hunger Games. Katniss doesn't become stronger as a victor. She is traumatized and hurt and all these other kinds of things that make it so that, yeah, by the end, she is not just happy and whole. She has wounds, both mental and physical and they all do going into the 75th games yeah yeah and even someone like an obaria who Mm -hmm. you would think would be a little bloodlusty or something like that even at the end i mean the reason she voted for doing the hunger games again with the capital children was i think she said give them a taste of their own medicine so it's like it's clear that even though, yes, she filed her teeth <laughs> into points. But maybe part of that could be fear as well. You know, this is a way for her to feel a little less vulnerable. Yeah. It's like, I always have a weapon on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and it also makes me think of whatever their coping mechanisms have been, they don't get any of them. They're gone. Yeah. Uh, like Finnick tying his rope. Lucky if he has a rope in, in the games. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like he's going to tie it into a bunch of knots because he needs to have it ready, right? So it's like, I mean, The Hunger Games is cruel. Yes. Obviously. But this one in particular is so bad. Yeah. I mean, all of the quarter calls are really bad. One of them, it's like you vote for who, what kids looks at people in your community. awful. So bad. And then like, oh, let's do double the number. Yeah, it's it's all real bad. But yes, yes re-traumatizing people is just, oh, it's vile. Totally. But should we move into our missed opportunities? That's a great idea. What do you have? So my missed opportunity is about Annie. 
because I think she's often just described with the word quote unquote mad, which is not a great word. Mm-hmm. First off, I do understand that people actually use it in society. They shouldn't, but they do. So maybe it's kind of a an accurate setting to show something about the society they live in yeah. versus like, oh, whoops, I shouldn't have used that word. I, I don't know uh, from Suzanne Collins' side. But yeah, it's one that we even, you know, we still use now. Not, not you and I, but uh, people in the world rather than using a obviously more sensitive, but also just a more accurate word yeah. for whatever's happening. And, and I think that that's kind of it's a it's a generic derogatory word so we don't really actually know what's going on with her and i think that that makes her a flatter character mm-hmm. and it makes her disability or, or mental illness however we would phrase this however she would phrase this it's like she would be the one dealing with it but we don't know what it is She's such a side character and it's not fleshed out that it like it kind of makes it more important for Finnick's character development totally. yeah. than her own. It's like, oh, look at what this guy does. He cares so much. It doesn't matter, you know, which is something that I have seen a lot <laughs> uh, out in the world, which is really damaging, I think, and problematic. I mean, yes, it, it does add depth to his character and it wouldn't necessarily be a problem if she had more depth to her character exactly. if we knew what more what was going on with her because not having it that way it just it's objectifying in a certain way and so yeah i think that that is a missed opportunity agreed yeah what about you what's yours mine is that since we now have the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and we have a book that is in large part about the intentions behind the Hunger Games and the ways that it is explicitly or implicitly doing things for particular reasons in their society. I wish there was some element where we could see people in the capital knowing these kinds of traumas and awful experiences can and should be treated by mental health professionals, mm-hmm. if possible, and refusing to do so because that trauma serves the capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have a future understanding of health and technologies and all these other kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. they would have at least our understanding of mental health. So the fact that they instead choose not to have that available for their victors give their victors yeah leg replacements and fix their hearing and, and all these Isn't other that kinds of so things so what society would do you can have a sick day if you have a virus but mm-hmm. not if you're feeling depressed today yeah 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 and in particular for these victors it is useful for the capital to have them be traumatized and be negatively mentally affected even as they are still physically able-bodied and Mm -hmm. presentable and attractive if possible. Which is, you know, nice that Chaff refused, right? And that was striking because no other victor that Katniss has seen has had an amputation that they could clearly see in visible sign of the bodily harm that they went through. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that the the most visible thing that we see is the addiction that you mentioned before, is mm-hmm. that these victors instead self-medicate, and that can go very badly. And I'm sure that, that, that the capital tries to hide that as best they can, but um, is definitely a way that, that the victors... Or maybe they don't try to hide it. I mean, like, yeah, maybe. I could imagine that they're just like, oh, this is great. Because if they have these addictions, that means it's separating them from the rest of their district. Mm. Because they have the means to have excess of this specific thing. Whereas other people, yeah, have to have procedures done without anesthetic or whatever it is. Mm. And I could imagine that that would drive wedges even further. Yeah, so so I mean, ultimately, that really is the missed opportunity. Is is now that we know how much intentionality there is behind the way the games are structured, that there's no explicit detail of the thought put into the lack of treatment for the trauma that the victors experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will also. I'm just adding on a second one, just real quick. I'm very curious about like generational trauma mm. and how that's passed down, but yeah, absolutely. Give us more <laughs> <laughs> conclusion to every Hunger Games episode. Exactly. Suzanne Collins, write more books. Thank you. <laughs> On that note, what is your takeaway? I think my takeaway is just that ability and disability, like within the story, it's it's so saturated. The story is in a way that's important and so seamlessly done that it's it's just impressive and sure could certain things be done better yes but i think so much in our society the focus is often heavily on the action Mm -hmm. and not the consequences or ramifications or even things that have nothing to do with the action previously like you going you you coming into the games already with a condition right it's not a result of what you've suffered in the games and so yeah I just my takeaway is that I really appreciate that and of the series that we cover Hunger Games undoubtedly does it the best of series in general I don't know it's hard for me to think of of something that I think has done a better job than this Mm mm-hmm yeah, I similarly, I, I think my takeaway is that I wish I had read this earlier. Yeah, I didn't read The Hunger Games until I was 26. You know, as someone who is an able-bodied person, I think that it, it probably would have been really influential and profound for me to have read that when I was younger. And I was not thinking about disability and trauma and these other kinds of, of elements Um that heavily outside of you know the people in my life who who experience them Mm -hmm. um and so the books demonstrate those things so well that yeah i wish i wish i had read it when i was younger it's a young adult novel series it would have been great if i had read them at that age Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah well can you bring up what we'll be discussing next week Yeah, so we are going to be returning to Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, and we are going to be looking at the series through the theme of justice. We sure are. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find links to our social media and our website in the episode description. 
or you can join us at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That gets you access to all sorts of fun extra bonus features, and it also helps to keep the show sustainable. Thank you so much to all the supporters who have been with us thus far. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find our designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.